Hey there, welcome to the Crimes Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Bernemenev, and I am very grateful that you've chosen to join us this evening. Tonight we have an interview featuring Rabbi Lazar Offsen. Rabbi Offsen does many, many things in our community, but the particular thing we discussed is his work with shoals, the grade shoals, the many, many shoals that have popped up all over our neighborhood that have been popping up for the last 10, 15, 20 years in ever-increasing numbers. And it turned out to be a very interesting way to talk about some of the other issues that our community faces. And I'm very, very excited to share the interview and let you hear some of his thoughts and some of his experiences. This is one of my personal favorite interviews from this show. Not that, you know, I have favorites, but because it gets to some of my, you know, pet issues and the things that I care most about on a very personal level. So selfishly, I'm very excited to finally be able to share this particular episode. If you have not yet subscribed to the Credits Insider podcast, please do so. If you subscribe, you will not miss any future episodes. You will get them hot right off the press, and you will be able to listen to the old episodes as well. If this is your first listen, there is a nine more episodes to go back to. And on that note, it is with great excitement I'm able to announce that this is the final episode of season one of The Credit Insider. Looking back, this has been a pretty, pretty crazy journey, pretty fun journey. And I'm really, really grateful to Hashem for the opportunity that I was given. And thank you to Benjamin Edelman for being the shliach of that opportunity, for Kranz and Info for being such a wonderful partner in this journey. This has been such a fun first season, such a rewarding first season. I've heard so much feedback from so many of you. I'm so grateful for that. Getting the chance to have a platform to talk about some of the things that I care about, that I think my generation cares about, that I think other people care about in a constructive, useful way, in an in-depth way, getting a window into so many interesting, wonderful people and the work they do in our community has been very rewarding. And I'm so excited for season two, which, you know, we're already, is already in the planning stages. We're already lining up interviews for that. And on that note, by the way, if you have somebody you'd like us to interview, if you have a suggestion, if you have an idea, if you think you should be on the show for whatever reason, you can send us an email. Podcast at crownist.info is the address as always. And as always, if you have questions or comments or concerns, send them in. And if you have a question for Rabbi Laser Offset or any of our other guests throughout season one, please send that in as well. We will try to get that question answered in our wrap-up episode coming up soon. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. And without much further ado, here is Rabbi Laser Offsen. Today on the Chronicles Center podcast, we have Rabbi Laser Offsen. Rabbi Laser Offsen is a member of our community who has done many things for many people in many, many areas over the years. But the thing we're talking about today is the shoals, the shoals of Chronicles, the Stiblach, the Great Shoals, the community shoals that have popped up over the years and that have very much changed the landscape and the way people daven, the way people form communities, the way people talk to each other. The effects of it are pretty pretty far-reaching and pretty wide. So today we'd like to talk to Rabbi Opsen about the history of the great shoal, of the community shoal, of the shtiblach of Karnites, and what they'll look like in the future. I'm Rabbi Opsen, thank you for coming on, and I guess we'll start with why are you so well positioned to talk about this? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And I'll start by saying that the shuls didn't start uh, with my help or because of me. I got involved once I saw that shuls are opening up every year, more great shuls and more class shuls and more shtiblach are opening up. I saw the potential of what the shuls can do for the community and I felt that the shuls need to be strengthened because many of these shuls are just Shabbos shuls, Yomtev. They're not every day. They don't have big budgets. They don't have people to help them 
with all the resources, mm. but at the same time, they are the first address, the primary address for anyone who davens in one of these shuls, if they have a family issue, whether it be Parnassah, Shalom Bayis, getting a child into a shul, questions, chas v'shalom, a death or an illness in the family or a death even worse, the first one that they come to is their shul rabbi, their shul manhig, their shul leader, whether it's a rabbi, a mashpia, president, gabai, whoever it is that's running the shul. Not every shul has an actual rav. Some by purpose, some intentionally, <laughs> some uh, just because... Lack of resources. Lack of resources, yeah. etc. So when I saw... When I saw what can be done with the shuls, I felt that there was a need to to centralize and to do something. And uh, I started putting together a small list of the shuls and trying to find out where the shuls are. Um, and then I started a WhatsApp group. The WhatsApp group at the beginning was a chat group. What do the shuls need? How can we help them? And obviously this is a volunteer situation uh, nobody asked me to do it. No one's paying me to do it. Uh, the shuls don't pay anything for this service. But but uh, the feedback is that it's very beneficial to them and it's very much appreciated. Even if most people don't necessarily answer or let people know. But because it started getting too much traffic and people were venting and using the chat group to talk about all kinds of issues. The state we, of every WhatsApp chat ever. So we decided to, to change it where it's only administrator only can post. And if anybody has an issue, they can reach out to me privately or they can answer me privately and then I'll try to address an issue or correct an issue. And I try to stay clear of politics, uh, not to allow this to be used as politics for anything related to the community, whether it's the community council, the Natsigim, the Rabbanim, this is not something that we're here to get involved in. What did we try to do? Well, the, the understanding has to be that the shuls of the community have more meaning I don't want to say power, but they have more meaning and more relevancy to the members of the community than any institutional organization in the community. And this is not chas v'shalom to put down the community council or the bezdin or different vads, etc. But the fact of the matter is that when somebody has an issue, they're going to reach out to their person. The person the, they're close with. And spend the person time who with. they're close with and who they spend time with. And the shuls are much more than shuls. These class shuls are much more than shuls. They're, they are the social network of individuals in this community. As an example, when you have a Fabrengen for Yud Shvat, or Yud Aleph Nissen, or Yud Kislev, or whatever, any Yema de Pagra, and you have a main Fabrengen in 770, and you have another main Fabrengen in the Razag. 
How many people are going to those Fabrengans? Besides, besides the Bahrim, besides, besides the built-in crowds that exist in these places. Right. How many Balabatim are showing up? A hundred? Two hundred? Three hundred? Five hundred if you're lucky? How many people do we have in Crown Heights? We have over 3,000 families in Crown Heights. 3,000 families, many, many elder Bokhrim, many older Bokhrim, many Bokhrim from out of town that are here. So, in my opinion, and nobody else has to, has to accept it, but in my humble opinion, and based on my experience, and based on what I've seen, is if we can have 50, 60, 70 Fabrengans going on in Crown Heights, then that's a Sturm. That's what's happening. Way back 34, 35, 40 years ago, I remember the Rebbe saying, how could it be that this Yud Shvat in Crown Heights when the gas Sturm sich nicht and the street, the street doesn't feel Yud Shvat in Crown Heights. It's Yud Shvat in Crown Heights. Where's everything going on? So I organized the Fabrengen. I went out. I raised some money. I think then the, back in those days it was like $3,000. I raised for Brengen. We made a meal Friday night in Crown Heights. We had multiple for Brengen's going on in, in, in 770. And then and after the main for Brengen where Abiel spoke and some other people spoke, then it broke up each table, each division. And you had 15 simultaneous for Brengen's going on in 770. And the Rebbe was very happy about it. But today, unfortunately, a lot of people are not comfortable going to 770. For whatever reason. And if they don't have a Fabrengen in their own shul, they're not going. If you call them up and you say, we have Elie Wiesel coming <laughs> to 770 to Fabreng or to the Razak to Fabreng, or we have Nat Lewin coming, or we have Chesnishu, Chase Taub, Yossi Jacobson, whoever it is coming, we have a great speaker. How many people are going to come that wouldn't be there anyway? Very few. Yeah, not many. But if you tell them, our class, our shul is having a Fabrengen, even without a guest speaker, okay, even if it's the regular everyday Rav, but he's Fabrengen with the Hevra of, of the shul, they are a family unit. They, they, they're together for whatever it takes. You know what? Every shul is full. Every shul has... 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 people coming to the Fabrengen that night, people who are working, and it makes no difference, the chesidische, the working, the people in jeans, the trim beards, the full beards, the shaven beards, it makes no difference. Everyone is coming to Fabrengen because they are comfortable in that setting. They're not being judged. No one's looking at them. No one's talking about, oh, you went to Fabrengen. They're there because it's their friends. It's their rub. It's their people that, that they reach out to or reach out to them when, 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 when they need something and they're there and they walk away with Teichen. So, you know, several years ago, different people would call me up and say, we understand you have a chat group. You have a WhatsApp group that reaches out. And today, you know how many shuls are on Crown Heights? Do you know? I have no idea how many. How many do you think? I'm going to say 75. I would say closer to 100. Wow. I don't have all hundred on my, on my on my group. 
but there's 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 probably over a hundred shuls today in Crown Heights. That's incredible. You're including the East Flatbush shuls, including these Flatbush shuls. They're part of the Greater Crown Heights. Yeah. So I, I view Kansiva Shemus Abroch as one big, one big community. So you're an imperialist. I don't know if I'm an imperialist. <laughs> I just believe that 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 their kids come to our meisters here. Sure. Uh, they they haven't set up in their own shuls. They haven't set up their own bezdin. They haven't set up their own other institutions. They're all part of this community. They shop here. They go of to course. school here. They get married here. They have their bar mitzvahs here. Their bubby still live here. Their bubby still lives here. They're still here. They're not. They're mm-hmm. not a different community. It's not Muncie. It's not. It's not Morristown. Of course. So whether they're in Brownsville or or East New York or or uh, or Remsen Village or East Flatbush or north of Eastern Parkway or south of Eastern Park, whatever you call it, uh, it's all one community. And that community has more than 100 shuls. So that's what I'm saying. I think we even have more than 100 shuls. And these shuls play an important role. These shuls are providing Sunday koilos, shiurim during the week, family assistance, financial assistance for, for Yom Tovim, children's programs, outings, and the Rabbonim are available to their people 24-7. And I know from firsthand experience what type of issues the local rabbis are dealing with. So I went to the Besden years ago, and I said to the Besden, not every shul has a rav. Some have a mashpia. Some just have a gabai. Some just have a president. But we have to include them. We have to get them to be part of the Besden, to support each other. And it's not going to take away from the central authority of the Bezdin. Now, I understand that me, Lazar Aftsin, I'm not on the level of Rabbi Mangel or Rabbi Bogomilski or Rabbi Gerari, all of us, Shalom, and certainly not on the level <coughs> of Rabbi Shvein, Rabbi Azdaba, and Rabbi Broin, who are the Rabbanim of the Shechuna. Okay? And there are other Rabbanim that are not even on my level. So it's very hard to put everyone on one level and say all 60, 50, 80, because not every shul has a rav, right. every single person should be should be part of the Bezden on the same level. But if we put our egos to the side, and if we say, what can we do that's going to really benefit the community? I'm convinced that there's enough good brains to come up with creative solutions, how to make it work, that everyone has inclusion and is, is being part of being part of a Besden and being part of a central situation that everyone will benefit from. Why? Let's say you Davin in my shul. Okay? And I happen to feel that there's issues that are not good by you, okay? And I ask you, who's your mashpia? I'd like to speak to your your rav, your mashpia. What are you going to do? You're not going to answer me? You're going to tell me who your mashpia is. You're going to tell me if you and your wife have the same mashpia or you share a mashpia. Because you're coming to me for help with Shalom Bayis. 
You're coming to me for help to get your kid into yeshiva. You're coming to me for help because chas v'shalem, you have a child who's on his own derech. I don't like to use the word off the derech. I like to use on his derech or on her derech. You're coming to me to deal with all of these issues. And now I'm reaching out to you and I'm saying, listen, tell me what's going on by you. I need to understand your family dynamics a little bit better. Are you going to answer me? Yeah, I would. You, you would, right? So, <clears throat> so if, but, but you wouldn't necessarily answer the community council or the Besden. Yeah, I don't know them. Because you don't know them and you don't have that much to do with them. At most, you're going to them for if you're being called to Dintaira, or if if you need them for marital issues, halachic issues, that you don't have your own private rub that you go to, and you're going to them and you're dropping off an envelope someplace to get an answer. Right. But if they start getting too personal with you, I'm out of here. I have nothing to do with you. Not that I'm justifying that, but that's the human nature. It's hard to be it's hard to be a personal ref to twenty thousand people. Right. I'd say it's impossible, not just hard. Right. So so what happens? If 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 you're coming to me though, so so then I can help you. But if I'm also a nobody, so then if I tell you, listen here, I want to recommend to you um, that you go see a therapist. I want to recommend to you that you change mashpia or get a mashpia because you don't have a mashpia or whatever it is. You might listen to me because you want to you want to stay in my shul. You want to dive into my shul. But you might also say, "Okay, I heard you. Thank you, but have a nice day." But if all of these rabbonim were part of a central organization. And they and they had the backing of the of the Rabbani Hashkuna behind them. Then it would take on a whole different dimension, a whole different dynamic. The words so, would carry a little more weight. They carry a lot more weight. Why? Because even if you don't want to answer me, and even if you're not happy with what I'm telling you, where are you going to go? You're going to go to the shul down the block. The shul down the block. He's my chaver because he's part of the same organization, the same association that I'm in. So you're going to leave my shul. You're going to go to David Mayer. I'm just ch- saying a name because I'm not mm-hmm. choosing anyone. David Mayer, Rabbi David Mayer is going to call me up and say, Afton, what's the story with this guy? Is everything okay by them? And you'll tell him about the interventions you tried. And, and I'm going to tell you how much I tried to help them and what I tried to do. And I, and I basically gave up because I have no one to talk to. How are you going to respond? How, how's David Mayer going to deal with them right now? He's going to say, listen, why should I waste my time? Afton tried. He didn't get anywhere. didn't go anywhere. If they have a more serious issue that needs the intervention of a community council or needs the intervention of the Besdin, it's a whole different situation going on right now because we're all working together. So in your opinion, if such an organization existed, it could combine the trust and, and um, familiarity that people have with their Shlora Banim and but also give them a little bit of legitimacy and right. strength behind them so that people took their words a little more seriously. Right. We're, not, we're not just friends. They also respect you because you have the force of something behind you. Right. But, but more than that, it would also build up the respect that people need to have 
for the central Rabbanim. Because if I'm telling you that I can't do anything, I can't finalize anything without getting the approval of the central Rabbanim because I'm part of that organization, then instead of people walking around and saying the Rabbanim are busy fighting with each other, which was the case until two years ago, so why should I respect them if they're busy fighting with each other and busy worrying about their own COVID? Now they would say, hold on. The Rabbanim of the Shechuna are working with 60 or 80 or 100 other shuls underneath them. Could you imagine if, if twice a year, four times a year, every quarter, or even once a month, all 100 shul, mashpim, rabbis, presidents got together in a room together with the with the two Rabbanim or the three Rabbanim that Abedin is supposed to have of the Shechuna and say these are the issues that we want to talk about and let's not just talk about them let's come up with solutions that would be I mean that would give the based in in the community a visibility into issues in a way they don't have right now right Nobody knows what's going on. Right. Every shul is own little island. Right. What happens if not only we do this with the shuls and the rabbanim, but we also get representatives of the schools at that table. At the table. And we can address all the issues that need to be spoken about. Eruv, Sneas, Kashros, Tuition, Tuitions, housing, all these issues. And we say, guys, we are whether we like it or not, we are the leaders of this community. We're not the top leaders. I'm not putting myself in the position of the, of the, of the central Rabbanim. I'm not putting myself in the position of the Vada Kol. And I'm not here to challenge them or to fight with them. But if we're all working together, could you imagine what we could do? I went to, to Vada Kol members years ago and I told them, let's give out a survey to the people. Let's, let's either send it by mail or by email, or let's even get the block representatives to go and visit each person in their home. And let's give them a hundred issues and ask them to prioritize those issues, one through 10, what's most important for them. And let's use that as a mandate to know what we should be working on. Hasn't happened yet. Yeah, a lot of things haven't happened. A lot of things that have the potential to improve life and community in our community has not have not happened. So we started off talking about Schultz. We started off talking about how you're in a pretty unique position to see what's going on in the, the development and evolution of Schultz in our community. I, would, I wanted to get into what do you see as some of the benefits that Shoals bring to community, to, to life for young people, for different people, different stages of their life. And what are some potential drawbacks that you've seen with the evolution of the way Shoals have gone to where people don't daven? I mean, obviously, Shibloch still exists, but many, many people today daven in Shoals with just their friend group, just their age group. There's a lot of Shoals don't have that multi generational aspect to them anymore. And you mentioned that a lot of Shoals have a but also a lot of Shoals don't have her, don't have her of. Or if there's a Rav, the Rav is more of a inspirational figure for Fabrengan than less of a person who's relied upon to give halacha guidance or to sort of 
criticize or push for improvement in his community. So, I mean, obviously I have my own opinion on those things. I, I was a member of a great shoal. I mean, I'm still a member of a great shoal. My shoal merged. We were one of the, you know, when you lose some members, you have to merge with other shoals. And obviously I was very happy to be a part of it. And I'm still happy to be a part of it, but there's pluses and minuses. So you've spoken about the way the new shoals are an opportunity to sort of understand our community differently and to get information from the community and, and respond to the community in a centralized way differently. But if we can zoom in on each show individually, what do you think are some of the positives and, and negatives in the way show culture has changed over the years in Granite? Well, there's no one rule fits all. There's a lot of different kinds of shows. Of course. You know, so you have, let's understand a few things. A lot of people, um, even before Gimel Tamas, we're not, we're not going to 770. It wasn't their style. It wasn't their speed. Uh, maybe that was the more modern crowd. But, but a lot of people didn't, they didn't feel 770 was their address. What percentage of Kranites do you think went to 770 as their, as their everyday show, as their Shabbos show? Uh, very little. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't fit the whole Kranites. But I'm saying, like, what do you think was the... Well, look, <laughs> how many people dominate 770? I mean, I, I don't dominate 770. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't dominate 770 because I'm a rough of a shul myself. So I'm dominating in my shul. Um, so it's hard for me to know, but from but from when I go visit 770 for a kiddush or whatever it is, besides the bachrim that are that are there, I don't think more than two or three hundred yungalite at the most go there, and that would be a lot, I think. So that's not even ten percent of the community, and I think it's less than that. So. I'm not talking about Roshan or Yom Kippur, when people want to feel that they're in Beis Rabbeinu and in the Rebbe Shul and, and there's still a yearning to be there. I'm talking about on a regular day. And then also we have shuls, we have class shuls that are only open Shabbos and Yontif. Right. So during the week, there are people who still want to dive with a minion. A lot of them are going to 770 for Shachris Min Chumariv. Right during the week because they don't have a class shul. Those who have a class shul, some are going to the class shul or the great shul, whatever you want to call it. And some of them are going to 770 out of convenience. They get out of the subway, they go Davin Min Chumayev. The timing doesn't work out or their shul Davin's at 9 o'clock at night and they came home at 7 o'clock at night and they don't want to wait till 9 o'clock. But if they're going to go to a shear later on in their shul, they're going to go to their shul. So there's there's pluses and minuses and it's hard it's hard to say. But... What what we know for sure is there's a lot of people who would be davening at home or maybe not even davening at all, I'm sorry to say, uh, uh, if they didn't have a class shul. They're, they're, they, they go to their class shul because that, that became their community. And that's where their friends are and that's where they're able to, to do things. You know, you know the, famous, the famous story about the Rav who came to a shul and he said, no more talking in shul. And no more talking in shul. He stopped all the talking in shul and then all of a sudden people started coming to the Rav. I need help with this. I need help with this. I need help with this. He said, what happened all of a sudden? What changed in the community? Everyone needs help now. So they told him that beforehand people used to come to the shul and they would talk to each other 
this one had this problem, this one had that problem. And between themselves, they would work out solutions and everyone took care of each other. So not that many problems came to the Rav's attention. Not that they can't talk to each other because the Rav doesn't let them talk. So, so it's a problem, you know. As a Rav of Shul, my Shul, I don't, I don't allow people to talk during davening. I tell them, if you're coming to talk, better, better, better stay home. But even though it costs me members, but, but you can talk during the Kiddush, you can talk before davening, you can talk after davening. I just don't want you talking during davening. That's what Shulchan Aruch says. It's not Laser Afton who says that. It's that Shulchan Aruch right. says that. But people come to shuls today, and there's so much chesed that gets done by each shul because they know the families on an intimate basis. They know who's hurting. They know who needs help. They know who's embarrassed to ask for help, whether it's, whether it's money uh, for food, for yontif, whether it's to get a child into camp, whether it's shalom bayis. And you know how many you know how many shul rabbis call me and ask me, can you recommend a good marriage counselor? Can you recommend a good therapist? Can you recommend gemachim? Do you have a list of gemachim? And honestly, I don't have all that yet because I, I'm I'm busy with many other. I wear many hats besides this, right? And I have my moisit to worry about, and I have my own shul to worry about, and other stuff. But I really wanted to take this to take this shul situation, this this WhatsApp group that I have, the 100 shuls that are united with me, and I wanted to make a website with every shul, when they're open, what their services are, what they provide, mm -hmm. and then have a resource for all the shul rabbis that if they need gemachs, if they need clothing gemachs, money gemachs, uh, uh, medical equipment gemachs, uh, Therapists, family counseling, uh, financial planning, any of these type of things that people come to us for, that we should be prepared to answer them. And we should also have a list of Rabbanim, real Rabbanim, Poskim, who are available to answer Shilas immediately when we need it. Because we get phone calls at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. Somebody died or was right. in a car accident. They're not calling the community council or, or the Besdin. They're calling their person. They're calling their rabbi. They're calling, They're calling their rabbi who cares about them and who knows them intimately and, and who they know is going to pick up the phone for them. And I'll tell you an interesting story. When I was on Shlichus in Morocco 40 years ago, so Rabbi Raskin, one day he got up and he, he went to shul and he came home. He had like a little office in his house with those old answering machines with the tape inside, you know, and the red light. And he comes back and he sees there's a message. So he, he turns on, play, play, presses play, and Rabbi Chodakov had called him in the nighttime to say that the Rebbe wanted to ask something. So he right away called back, and Rabbi Chodakov picked up the phone, and he says, How could, what, 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 what the Rebbe want? How can I help you? What, 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 what do you need? And he says, the Rebbe said it's not Negei anymore, but that when you call back, I should ask you, is this the reason that we sent the shliach to Morocco? That at 3 o'clock in the morning, when somebody needs him, instead of answering the phone, he was busy sleeping. So That's he, harsh. So he went, it's very harsh. He went that day, and he found one of the goyim who, who works for the telephone company to come to his house and connect an, an, an extension phone from his office 
into his bedroom that he shouldn't miss a phone call anymore. We, the shul rabbis, answer phone calls 24-7. I don't want to say 24-7, but, but on Shabbos and Yontif, they come, to the, they come to our house if they can't find us in shul, if it's that important. They know where we live, they know how to reach us, and they come to us. And so many, so many of the shul rabbis, they, 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 some, some of them are just overwhelmed by the issues that they have to deal with. It's young communities. It's young, it's young communities. They have a myriad of problems, a myriad of issues they have to deal with. Getting the kids into school, accepted, a special needs child, uh, misiftas, yeshivas, changing, shalom bias, parnasa, divorce, unfortunately, medical issues, deaths, unfortunately. All, everything that happens in life ha happens. And the person that they're going to speak to is, is, is their leader, their mentor, their, their rav, their gabai, their president, their mashpia. And a lot, of the, a lot of us aren't equipped with it. We went to Alitaira, we went wherever we went. We, didn't, we, 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 we weren't trained for this. We didn't sign up for this. And most shul rabbis aren't getting paid. Very few shuls pay their, pay their rav money. So a guy's got to worry about making a parnosa. He has one or two other day jobs besides this. And this is a full-time job on top of that. So I do the best I can to provide little resources, whatever I can, but it's not enough. I should do more, but I haven't done more. So now people tell me, okay, you know what? You have 100 shuls. Ask every shul to give you $50 a month. That's $5,000 a month. For $5,000 a month, you can hire two secretaries to work for you, and you can put together your website and all the stuff that you want to do. You can do that. The problem is some shows don't even have the extra $50 a month, or they don't think that they need it. They don't realize that they need it. In a small show, there's an effect that can happen where you forget that you're part of the bigger community because you're happy with your little community, with your mini community. But the big community still affects you in a big way, and the big community still has a lot to offer you. So a large organization that wants to take all the shoals under its wing and provide resources, the, the members of a small shoal don't necessarily see the benefit of it. They don't understand it until, you know, until whether they need it, but they don't right. necessarily understand it. And then other people say, why should we pay for that? Shouldn't, sh shouldn't the Besden be doing this for us? Shouldn't the community <laughs> council be doing this for us? But there's no connection. There's no connection to the community council. There's no connection to the Rabbanim. There's no connection to the Besden. There's no even connection from one shul to the other shul until they need it. And then sometimes it's too late. Right. So instead of being upset by it, I'm not upset. I do the best I can. I try my best. And I send. I send out the times for Shabbos, what time candle lighting is. I send out uh, things for Yemer the Pagras. If there's a Sefer Torah, see him Sefer Torah so that people... Don't have to say tachnun, which that itself is a whole other machlekes, whether or not that's counted. Why? Because, because uh, some people, some rabbanim will say, and based on the letter from the Fidik Rebbe, that it's such a simcha that nobody should say tachnun. Some people say, well, it's fifty years ago they would do one seim sefer once in ten years, so the whole city was excited about it. Today you could have five seim sefer in Crown Heights in one, in one day. So if you're not going to an actual Right. 
to an actual siyum or or achnasa or or talucha, why should you skip tachnun? What's your what's your simcha? And then someone else will say, well, if it's not your simcha, that itself is a problem because you should be b'sameach. So, <laughs> I'm not I'm, again. I'm not the paisik. I'm not getting into the psak din of whether you should or you shouldn't. But I used to say to people, no tachna today. There's a, there's a there's a sefer Now I don't write don't no tachna. I just say there's a chnas sefer Let everyone decide what they want. I'm not everyone's rav. I'm not the rav of this community. It's not my it's not my job. It's not my job even to tell people what the different shitas are. Mm-hmm. Let everyone do whatever they want. Okay, if people will ask me, so do we say tachna or not? I'll say go to your rav. Or I'll say, this Rav says like this, this Rav says like this, Who's you, who, do, who, do you, who do you follow? But it's not my job to, to get involved in that. And I don't have the time for that. But I still go back to what I said before, that if we were working all together, then maybe I could demand from the community counselor, from the Besden, that they should give us the resources to put all this information together because they should really have all this information. Anyway. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. But then, but then some people get so caught up and say, well, the Rabbanim are busy with, with, with answering Shilas and busy with the entires. They don't have time for these, for, these, for, for, the, for these issues. Or the community council is busy with whatever, blah, blah, blah. They don't have the time for these issues. Okay, so then let other people do. If you can't do it, or you feel that it's not your mandate to do that, or you're not obligated to do that, then do so it becomes a question, and then and then sometimes I'll call other people who are rabbanim in the who are rabbanim, but not the the rabbis of the community, but they are respected rabbanim, meiri poskim, who help many people, and I'll ask them, oh, we're not we're not the community rabbis. Ask someone else. We're not we're not taking a stand. Well, if everyone's going to sit back and not take a stand, how are we going to grow as a community? Yeah. We're not we're not three hundred families that it was in the days of Rabzalm and Shimon Dvorkin. We're a growing, vibrant community. We have thousands of kids here. We have many, many moisters. There's so much to do. Endless. And the list is endless. So people call me up. I designed a website that can help a shul raise money anonymously for people in their shul if they need a problem. Okay, great. It's a beautiful thing. I love the idea. I'll post it. I don't have time to, to make that happen. I don't have time to call every single shul and say, you know, guys, maybe we should, maybe you should look into this more. You should use it. It's going to help you because you're doing so much chesed work anyway. It will streamline it for you, whatever it is. And there's, and there's constantly ideas that, that are thrown of stuff that could be done and things that can happen to make it work better. But... Again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a one-man show doing this part-time because this is not my pranasa, this is not my job. Right. Let's go into elections. I got involved in elections because I'm part of the shuls, because I have a mechanism to reach the people. Okay? By elections, in, you mean Vatican elections? No, not Vatican elections. No, no, no. I stay away from that. <laughs> elections for politicians. Okay, got it. You're saying like the local elections. Local the, uh, elections. Okay. So different Askanim got me involved, okay? And I think that I was very instrumental in getting out the vote, where in the past you had three, four hundred people who would go out and vote, 
in the last two years, we've brought out four and 5,000 people to elections. It's been an incredible change. Okay, and we could reach 15, 20,000 people if we were organized. But I don't have the money to hire two or three secretaries to go out and really register and get everyone's name and call every family and know every family, how many people there are and have their emails and this and that, whatever it is. So when they had a petition for the schools, we got 20,000 emails, okay? But I don't even have access to that email list because someone else did that. Nobody's working together. Everyone's thinking about their little, their little project and no one's thinking about how can we really bring this all together. Is it possible that people have a sense that it's easier to just do your own thing than it is to try to centralize or to work with any centralized Yeah, because, because unfortunately, unfortunately, most people don't trust anything that's established. They don't trust the system. They think that whoever's doing anything is doing it for selfish reasons, is making money off of the deal, is doing something, whatever it is. So it's very hard to get involved. Because you're describing a, a vision of what could be a grassroots, sort of from the ground up, where individual shows, individual communities come together to form sort of a new structure for the Kranitz community, where it makes all the old fights about any other institution irrelevant, because there's a new institution that's doing all that work. Yeah, but, but I, I don't know. You know. I don't know who should be doing that work. And, and I'm, not, I'm not looking to be doing that work. Uh, I'm not looking to have people master on me and make up stories about me and, uh, and talk about my kids behind my back and talk about me behind my back and, and all the other kinds of stuff that goes on over here because we have, we have, we have people here with very vicious methods and, 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 and agendas. It can get ugly. And it can get very ugly over here. But, but there's so much that can be done. I'll give you, I'll give you some more examples. Elections, you can know how many people there are. You can have a real voice. Um, uh, getting money for the community. If you can show the politicians that you really have 20,000 votes behind you, then yeah, it's you know how much more money you can get for the community? For sure. Uh, tuition. Take even the yeshiva. Yeah, nothing to do with the shuls. Uh, came came Tesfavel, the aim is Yastas, the the yeshiva asked me to get involved. A new va, they're trying to make peace. There's two 770s going on. There's two yeshivas going on. Get peace. I said, let's bring everyone together. Let's invite all of these yeshivas from the greater New York area to sit on the head dais in 770. Anybody who was there will tell you that was a tremendous achtos. Never seen before. At least since Gimel Tamas. That everyone should sit together on the head table. Everyone should be recognized as part of one yeshiva. Even though each yeshiva is its own little... Right. Thing and each one's trying to raise its own money and deal with its own issues and whatever it is. It was a tremendous actus. So why did it fail so much? We had a beautiful event, but it, we really barely raised any money. Nothing came in on, on the raise on the raisathon. Why? Why is that? Because nobody trusts the shiva. Because the shiva, the, 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 the shiva has no leadership. Okay, but but I wasn't I wasn't brought in to take over the shiva. I was just there to help the shiva. Okay. But what, what, what do I do with my networking? So we had COVID. We had COVID situation. So I have, an, I have a chat group for the shuls. I created a chat group for the, sh for the schools. Now the schools have their own chat group between themselves already anyway. But I wasn't invited to that chat group, so I created my own chat group 
together with all the schools and the Moisdes and Dr. Rosen and the Gedalia Society. And I, I arranged Zoom meetings and I was the liaison between the Gedalia Society and Dr. Rosen with the Moistus about how to work for the benefit of the community. Now, I'm not, I'm not the doctor of the community. I'm not the Gedalia Society of the community. I'm not the Moistus. But none of them, unfortunately, had the vision to bring everyone together to be able to make this happen. And there's no centralized authority in Kronheitz to say, okay, guys, it's time to get together in a room or in a virtual room in this case. Right. So... So we had constant meetings, Zoom meetings, whatever it is. I made a Shabbos Achtos on, 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 on Zoom. Between the Zoom and the, and the, and the YouTube channel, I had 3,000, two and a half, 3,000 people watching it. We had many different shul rabbis from the community spoke. We also had a, a speech started off by, by I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, by Rabbi Bruin on, on, that, on that event. Then I said, okay, we did this once, let's do it again, Aser Sadibris. Took a series of Dibris, there's eight, there's ten Dibris, get ten shul rabbis of Crown Heights, each wants to talk about that 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 Dibur and do something. We had 1,500, 1,800 people on the thing. Wow. It was beautiful during COVID, okay? But some people got upset. How come they weren't invited? How come it wasn't under them? Other rabbi, you want to be part of it? Come. Make yourself available. Be part of it. I'm not here to take away from you. I'm just trying to do something positive for this community. Not because, not because I'm looking to make a name for myself, but because I live here, because my children are growing up over here, because this is the Rebbe's community, this is the Rebbe's Shkuna, which we all have to care about. I want to I bring some change over here, but not at the expense of fighting with anyone. I don't want to be part of any machlekes. But there's so much that could be done because the same way I did it for COVID and the same way I did it for, for, the, for, the, for, for, for giving out masks and, 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 and sanitizer to all the shuls and all the schools over here. I didn't charge a penny for it. Got wipes. Even when I told the shuls and the schools they're going to have to pay for it to cover my expenses, almost nobody paid for it. I did it all out of, out of my own. Why? Because, thank God, Debrishta was nice to me. He gave me Tchiesamesim in COVID. I felt I have to give something back. So I did, up until the point that I realized that I spent over $10,000 helping everyone else, and where, where, who's covering me? I had to stop. But I've gave, I, I've gave out over 7 million masks over the last three and a half years. Wow. And, and again, I'm not saying this to you because I'm looking for a thank you. I'm not looking for a thank you. I'm looking to show that so much can be done if people just set aside their egos and they say, what can we do together? How can we get together and make a difference? That's an inspiring message. Meaning there's a lot of, um, a lot of hesitancy, a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of people who are suspicious, but you're saying that it's possible to make good things happen. It's just see a problem, try to solve the problem. Right. But because instead of focusing on the negative, focus on the positive. What can we do? Opportunity. Focus on the opportunity. Now, if I had deep pockets and I was a rich man, I'd be doing 100 times more because I could afford to do it. But I don't like fundraising in this community. I don't like fundraising at all. I do it out of necessity for my, for my moisad. 
but I don't like it. I like to give. I don't like to take. But, but if I had deep pockets, a lot of this could be done because because you could you could hire the right people, you could hire a few assistants, you could hire people who are techie, you could create website, you could create uh, an, an app, you could create so much stuff. We could do so much things. You know, I'll give you another example. We have hundreds and hundreds of, of organizations in our community raising money, claiming to help people. Are they all helping people? It's a good question. It's a good question. They're helping someone, right? I mean, because someone's benefiting, <laughs> but it, it's like chinachatzmi or achnasakala. Right, it's an easy achnasa or chinechatzmid, my chinuch. Right, someone's benefiting from it. So I had this idea years ago to to uh, to create something similar to eBay, where you can rate every organization. So I went to a couple of the big organizations over here in the community, and I said, let's let's create a website with an intake that you have a problem. Okay, you're embarrassed. You don't want to go to the community council and to every 300 organizations and tell them your situation and you just got laid off and and you have no money and you're going to be evicted in a minute and you don't want to be on all the websites in the community, whatever it is, right? You you, you need help, okay? So I said, let's create a website where you can fill out an application and attach a letter of a social worker and a rov who vouch for you. And that's enough. My job on the intake side would be to, to verify that that letter is real. And that that rov and that, and that social worker really are with it. Didn't just sign, right. a, sign, sign a, a paper. Okay? And I would have a system in the community where, where there's two components to this. That, that could be intertwined. One is that every organization that claims to help people in the, in the community would tell me, we help these five, 10, three, one categories. This is what we help. We help summer camps. We help clothing. We help food vouchers. We help financial help. We help utilities. We help uh, debt. We help uh, mess mitzvah. We, whatever it is, right? I get your thing. Your form says that you need help in six areas. I say, okay, those six areas have a shaykhis to 50 organizations in the community. Not outside the community, within the community. Mm -hmm. The system spits out an email to all 50 organizations saying, X family needs this and this and this and this and this. What can, what can you help with? You have 24 hours to answer. Okay? Now, when you answer, it's going to come back to me, and I'm going to say, okay. Now I call the person up and I say, what's your name? Mendel? Mendel. Uh, we got you help. We got you help. These are the organizations. I can't call them all for you. Here's their numbers. Here's the names. This is what each one said they can do for you. Let me know how it goes. Update me. Okay? But I also now have a database 
knowing what percentage of the organizations answered, what percentage of the organizations actually helped out. Yeah. Now, you as a gvir one day, when you got back on your feet, you're going to say, eh, tell me which organizations are really helping people. Which ones rate on, like on eBay, five star, and which ones have half a star or zero star? Or which ones are negative? Because I don't want to give my money to the guy who's just taking it for himself and who's claiming he's helping everyone. I want to give to the guy who's really helping everyone. Yeah, that would change a lot. There would be a lot of more organizations would get a lot more efficient with their time and resources. The organizations would be more efficient. The fakers would be, would be, would be locked out. A lot more money would, could go to help the people who really need it. Okay, take it, take it one step further. Virtual Galbite Sadako. You don't want people knocking on your door every night asking you for help. So you say, I, I have X amount of money to help for these and these causes. This is what's close to my heart. I like to help Yusoyimim. I like to help Chasvishalom. I like to help this, that, whatever it is. Single parents for Shabbos, for Yontif, for food, for camps. This is what I like to help, okay? Someone comes to me for help. They need help with this area. I say, good. I have 2,000 families in Crown Heights that like to help for this issue. I send them an email or a WhatsApp. I say, a, a family in the community that has been verified by, by, by Rob and a social worker and our organization needs help with this and this thing. How much can you give? Zelle, PayPal, cash. Cash app to me. I don't doesn't cost you any money. Doesn't cost me any money. Maybe we'll find a sponsor to cover our overhead. Maybe we'll take a half of a percent fee to do it. Mm -hmm. We'll be able to help every family instantly. And you're happy. No one's knocking on your door. No one knows how much you gave, how much you didn't give, whatever it is. You only you know. We could maybe put an end to those dramatic like website stories. Yeah, we wouldn't have a story like I had a couple years ago where somebody was raising money and raising money and stealing from people hundreds of thousands of dollars and making up sob stories and telling people that his wife is sick and this one's sick and his children are sick and he needs money and he wasn't paying anyone back and he was just taking money and nobody even knows where the money went. Wow. But, but these are all ideas that could happen if, if people would want to work together. I can't make it, I can't do it by myself because in order for me to do it by myself, I have to stop doing everything else that I'm doing and then what? What happens to all the other tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that are relying on me for my, sure. for my other work? You're just one man. And I'm just one man. But there's a vision there that could be done. And the same thing goes for Shaduchim. Okay, you know many, you know many hundreds, or may I even say thousands, of above-age girls and boys we have in Crown Heights, who are not married and who can't find shaduchim, because we don't have a proper system for that. It's a disaster. And I went to the community council and I went to the rabbanim, at different stages, and I gave them ideas and I wrote up a whole proposal how to make this work with a centralized office and everything. Never happened. There, sure. there is so much that could be done if, if people try. I'll give you another idea. Insurance. How many yeah. 
How many how many cases are there a year of of of, of a crowd crowdfunding uh, situation because somebody died and they need money? How much money do you think gets raised a year online to help families in distress because of a, a sudden death in the family? It's got to be in the millions. Millions. Five, ten million dollars. Do you know what we could do with five, ten million dollars? Insure everybody. We could insure everyone in this community that everyone could have money covered without yeah. having to make a campaign, without their children yeah. being embarrassed that there was a campaign for them on COL and on, 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 on Crown Heights Info. Other communities and already do this. Other communities already do this. There's already, I, I know about something in Williamsburg where there's like a community life insurance program in, in Borough Park. I know of one. Like, it's not a new model. It's just, it takes a little bit of coordination. So I went to the Rabbonim and I said to the Rabbonim, don't be Masada Kedushin. Don't be Masada Kedushin for anyone unless they have term life insurance. So the answer was, who said that, who said that that's my mandate? Who said that, I'm, that that's part of my job as a Rav to, to do that? But it's Pikuach Nefesh. Yeah. That's millions of dollars that could be going to much more important causes if people were covered. So I, I used my influence to, to do this event a few months ago with our Ravim. We signed up 150 more people for our Ravim in Crown Heights. That's great. Okay. More people should be signing up for our Ravim. It's a great thing. But it, does, it's, it shouldn't be at the expense of not having term life insurance. How much is term life insurance? How much money do you think it costs for a young couple getting married in fairly good health for a million dollars? I think it's like 60, $60, $70 a month. Maybe less. Okay. You spend more money on that on Danish and coffee. On sushi, twice a month you spend more than you would have spent on insurance that could give you a million dollars. And a community fund that covered couples who couldn't afford it. And the community solve. would fund someone who really, really can't afford it. That would be incredible. That would, solve, that would solve a lot of problems. And all of this can be done. And it doesn't take a lot. And it doesn't take a hundred people to work. It just takes somebody stepping up and saying, I'm going to try to solve that. It takes somebody to get up and say, I'm going to try to solve it. It takes a few people with, with a couple dollars behind to give them some money to actually make it happen. And it takes, it would be great if we had the blessing and the endorsement of the established organizations like the Besden and like the Community Council and like some other people to do it, or even the Meisters. You know, you, know you, know, you know what someone told me? They said, you know what? The Rabbanim don't want to do it. Speak to the schools. Why? Because you have your kid in school. You're paying his harlimud. Now, chas v'shalom, something happened to you. You're gone. Who's going to pay his harlimud? And the school has the oblig obligation to keep this child in school. Why should this child be thrown out of school? Because unfortunately, you're not here anymore. God forbid. Right? So the schools... Are incentivized to solve this problem. The schools say that they will not register your child in school unless you have term life insurance. That's another entry point. So I guess the question is like this. Why do we need the permission or the encouragement or the cooperation of all these central organizations when at this point people are able to organize on their own and there's enough of a community that doesn't feel beholden to these institutions that just haven't done their job for so long? I, I don't know that it has to be. I said it would be better if we had everyone behind us. It would be better. Right. 
Could you imagine what we could do if we were all united? If we weren't busy fighting with each other? If we weren't busy about whose ego is, might, might, might be hurt over here? But it doesn't have to be. I just can't afford to do it on my own because I'm a one-man show and I have my own moisture to run and I have my own family to take care of and my own expenses to worry about. But it, it, it could definitely be done. We have the best minds in this world. Crown Heights is a, is a base aquarius for, for geniuses. <laughs> That's sad. That's funny but sad. We have the brightest, the brightest and the best are here. So some of them went out on shlichus. And call a kavod for them. And those who didn't are here. And you have many millionaires in Kronites today. It's and, not like and, it used to be. Yeah, and Baruch Shem, they give. They give a lot. The question is whether it's going to the right places but or whether it can go to better places. Where where it should go? And they don't and they don't know who's right and who's not right. And they don't know right. who's really doing and who's not really doing. Right. I mean, obviously, we started off talking about Schultz, and we ended up in a very much in a much wider discussion that I very much enjoyed about the way our community can be better, the way we can do more for each other. And I thank you for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And Rosh Hashem will have you back to discuss other angles of this. I really appreciate your time, Rabbi. No problem. Thank you very much. Thank you again to Rabbi Hobson for coming on the Kranitz Insider. We really, really appreciate his time. We really, really appreciate his candor and his passion. As I mentioned at the top, this conversation gets to some of the things that I care most about on a very personal, selfish level. So I am very excited that we had the opportunity to have that conversation. Like I mentioned, this is the last episode of season one. Thank you for coming along with us on this journey. And uh, I hope you are ready for season two coming along fast. If you have any questions for Rabbi Aftson after what you just heard, I hope you will shoot us an email, podcast at chronist.info, and we will try to get back to you. And uh, we will try to get your question answered by Rabbi Aftson. And if you have any question for any other guests as well, we'll try to get it answered in the wrap-up episode coming up very soon. Now's your time. If you haven't yet subscribed, do it now. You don't want to miss season two. You don't want to miss the opportunity to go back and listen to the other shows, the other episodes of season one. As always, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you to Credit and Info for being our partner with this. And I will see you, Mertz Hashem, not next Wednesday. Can't guarantee that. But uh, pretty soon. Thank you so much for coming along on this journey with us. <laughs>